pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, where we discuss fantasy rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Having said that, tonight we'll be doing none of it. We'll be discussing the Australia versus France rugby series that's about to start tomorrow night. With me here, I've got Kagi, mate. Uh, I see the Wallabies jerseys being shown there. Are you excited about the Test Series and what's been going on? Yeah, the boys, um, I had to remind you to go get your jersey, uh, you know, out of the storage um, just before you went and did your hair, did your hair gel and everything, got your wife to prep you for the hair and makeup for the show. Bring your snacks. Add some snacks. Some, well, we're having some kale chips, I believe. Um, yeah, mate, they're good too. Very good. Um, I'm good, mate. I'm very excited. I mean, I want to be here tomorrow. Lots to be excited about. Lots of young, new faces. Uh, a lot of unknowns. It's going to be very cool. Yeah. And uh, and Nelson as well, mate. You join us down the bottom there with the beanie on. It's gotten cold since we were prepping. What's going on? Look, uh, I'm just, I'm going to buzz. I'm, I'm very excited for this series. I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow night. I had bought tickets to go see the game, but... You know, with with the current lockdown, we're we're not going to be able to make it there. But it, it really hasn't hasn't shaken my excitement for this matchup. So I'm I'm ready. I'm pumped. Are there any conspiracy? You know, is there any water to any of the conspiracy theories that some of our um, you know Queensland rugby community counterparts have uh, you know perpetuated our lockdown so that the game could be moved up to Brisbane? You, not, you mean Mitch Evans? Names, but we know a few. <clears throat> of them. Uh, all yeah. right, well, yeah, Mitch Evans. Um, <laughs> have uh, take, stolen the game away from us. It's nonsense. With, without a doubt, they've planted COVID-positive people in Bondi Junction and Bondi Beach that are just walking around spreading the disease just to make sure, yeah. So without a doubt, without a doubt. That's factual. But, but I mean, point. Brisbane's pretty good for us in terms of success in recent years. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Rugby Australia thought about it as well. That's true. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's that's doing what it takes, isn't it? <clears throat> Nelson, uh, well, you're, you're excited about the French side. Can you tell us what you you got down here? What did you want to go through? Yeah, mate, this has been uh, labelled as Viva la Renaissance, and I think it is in every sense a renaissance for both of these two teams. France, I mean, we've been talking about in the last few years, they're, they're touted as a world-class team. They are exciting, exciting group of players. But... Since, you know, the last few years, we've just expected them to reach a height that, you know, they've done it parts but haven't consistently done. They haven't been able to win a competition in the last two years, which sort of everyone was expecting them to be able to come through and do. They've come second in the last three tournaments they've been in. Um, That's the Six Nation in the last two years as well as the Autumn Nations Cup. Um, There's been lots of reasons around it, including, you know, players with COVID, having to bring in a B team, pretty much still, I think they came out and and either took it to England or beat England with a B team. But there's very much a renaissance for them. This is their new birth. They're building to a home Rugby World Cup in 2023. And this is an exciting group of players coming through. You're going to hear again and again that there's a lot of names missing, but there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of depth in France, and, and we're going to see it in this, this group here. While on the flip side, Australia, you know, there's been a few lean years for us in, in rugby, and we've finally got a good generation coming back through, and, and we're trying to build for the future. 
We've got new broadcasters in Stan and Nine, which are creating a buzz around rugby in Australia. And and we've had the you know the last two two years of Super Rugby AU. So there's a lot building for rugby, and I think this is a very pivotal year for rugby in Australia, not just the Wallabies. Yeah, and I would say as well, France have come <clears> in the last two tournaments they've played, in the last three tournaments they've played. Happy for that to be a fourth as well. If they come top two in this one but finish in second, I'd be a very <laughs> happy man. It sounds good. Yeah, and I think still look exciting, like, you know, still relatively new Wallabies coach, you know, a new Wallabies setup. It is, uh, you know, it is obviously, uh, Nelson talked about, a, a kind of a new generation for the French, but in all senses it is for the Wallabies as well. So, um Super excited to see what's going to happen. Guys, With uh, for Entree tonight, let's go through the team lineups. They've all been named now, so <clears> we can get stuck into that. And before we do go through these, I um, I shot a message out to Benny Darwin, the Kiyo Kohen, <coughs> uh, today to see what his thoughts were about the lineups because I think there's been a lot of chat about the fact that it is quite a young and experienced French side. I think 4.9 average test caps per man uh, was the number being thrown out on uh, pick and drive. Whereas uh, I just want to stress that the Wallabies are pretty young as well. They've got Slipper and Hooper there, but it's a very inexperienced <coughs> side on, on their end as well. So I asked him what he thought and he said they haven't run the numbers yet, which I think is the politically correct answer because he knows I probably would have put money straight down on whoever he, uh, he told me to. But also <laughs> he expects that both numbers will be pretty poor. And my favourite quote was, they're kind of lucky to have found each other at this point. Kind of like <laughs> two nerds in a nightclub. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I love it. How good, mate. That's better, that's better than Lego, that. Um, the... So there you go. That's, that's his summary on how these two sides are looking. We're basically two nerds in a nightclub. So and, uh, more, to... get excited. We also reached out to Freddie Michelac and... Uh, I think he's just running scared like the rest of these French players. You know, they're, they're a bit nervous about what's coming to them. So he didn't even reply to us. I think it's out of fear. Yeah, I, I like how you mock players that don't <coughs> come on the pod, Nelson. That's definitely the best way to make sure we get more on. Look, he, out. He, he, he clearly doesn't listen. I see what would have wanted to be on this pod. That's true. I think, look, in fairness, uh, Nelson did try to have a good chat to uh, Freddie down at a club rugby match down in Southern Sydney and um, Freddie didn't really want a bar of it. So, uh, I don't know. Not Nelson at all. On, and that, that definitely meant he'd love to come on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Let, let's exactly. move on, guys. So I've got the, uh, the Les Blues. The Blues. Allez, Les Bleus. Les Bleus. Uh, on the uh, on the screen there for their side, we've got the full fifteen and the bench there as well. Why don't we work through there, Nelson? I know you've put a lot of work into looking into these teams, and we can talk a little bit about it in detail. Do you want to start us off? I've got, before Nelson does, of course, just quickly <coughs> putting it up on the screen. Get after us on YouTube. Uh, we're recording this. You can see us. You can look at Nelson's shiny head, which he's hiding at the moment, actually. Um, but. Yeah, you know, please tune into the pod so you can see the lineups what we're talking about. Give us some reviews right. as well, some five star reviews. We don't ask. Yeah, you, you know, know, honest, honest five star reviews is what That's we expect. Right. Yeah, it's only <laughs> right, we'll, twenty or thirty from Nelson so far, so we need some uh, other other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, if, if we jump across into this French side, there's, yes, there's a lot of young players coming through, but there are some players that are really building and will be names, you know, coming forward for this this French side moving into the 2023 Rugby World Cup. 
Jean-Baptiste Gosset or Gosse. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. We're going to butcher many names tonight for anybody that's listening. Uh, in the it's Gross, G-R-O-S, huh? isn't it? Oh, Gross, Gross, not yeah. Gosset, sorry. <clears throat> uh, he played was uh, 14... Pronunciation right there. Yes, butchered it already, mate. Um, he played 14 caps for the French, you know, golden generation under-20s team in those two years where they've won the last couple of World Cups, scoring three tries before graduating into this French side last year. And, and he's still sort of starting to become a household name for them in that loose head jersey. He's an exciting player to watch moving forward. Gaetien Barlow hits his debut from Castres. Uh, I don't know too much about this guy. I haven't seen him play too much, but, you know, another young player coming through. And then one of the funnest names, you know, Demba Bamba. Not too hard to to get right this one, but he's touted as the French answer to Taniela Tupou. Uh, it's, It's a big call, but he's a big boy with a step on him. And he's an exciting player moving forward. Really solid scrummager as well. So they've definitely looked to have a, a good set piece, I think, moving into this game with their starting side. I'm extremely excited about Demba Bamba. And what's uh, what's not to be excited about? <clears throat> Check out his highlights. Similar to Tupo, he's got one hell of a running game. He's got he's an got... absolute weapon of a shimmy on him. Uh, great oh, sport. yeah. Um, and look, the other thing is that I think similar to Tupo as well, again, early in his career, very exciting, very big young prop, um, was just renowned for his power and his running. But um, he has really started to back it up in the scrum. I think I was reading an article, there was a quote from last year, he was saying, you know, I'm here to dominate. Scrummaging has become my absolute passion. So he knows his role and uh, nowhere else in the world are props (laughs) celebrated like they are in France. So um, he'll definitely be getting uh, all of the... I guess, preparation and treatment and uh, practice that he needs. So, um, yeah, really exciting. He's definitely one to watch in, in this matchup. They've got a massive lock pairing in Kylian Garache and Romain Taufif of Noah. I might have thrown a few extra syllables in there, but I'm so not going to try say, it again. You faster, you can almost get away with it. You know, Taufif of Noah. Taufif of Noah. Say it again. Taufif of Noah. Is it fee or fair? It's all right. doesn't. Doesn't matter. He's the reason he's a, I say it that many times is because he is such an yeah. enormous bloke that for yeah. him to even hear you, you know, you've got to say it from different angles and whatever. He is huge. Uh, Mels was uh, contesting the stats that I found. I don't care whether he might have lost a little bit of weight and been a bit more in shape now, but mate, he's about six foot seven and he's been up between at, a, at his heights, his greatest, up at 145 kilos of just a weapon. Uh, such a wrecking ball. But he also has these pretty silky skills, got these awesome offloads. Like basically, he's never losing that contact battle, and then he's he's offloading almost every time, which is just extremely valuable. Um, super exciting. I think he actually even makes Sidalecki Tamani look small, uh, which is no mean feat. So um, massive. Maybe that's why they didn't play Sidalecki this week, just in case, you know. Um, but huge. Very excited. Yeah. If we jump across into the back row, we've got Dylan Cretan, a blind side who he's coming off the back of a really, really good Six Nations. He's got a massive work rate. He's an exciting number six coming through for this French side. They've got Captain Anthony Jelonich, Jelonch, Jelonch. I think it's Jelonch from Castres as well. I hope um, we'll be having him for Jelonch. <laughs> yeah. 
Love it, mate. I told you not to say it, so I love it that he did it anyway. <laughs> um, he, look, yeah, he's, he's another exciting player. Can throw an offload. Um, 15th overall, Harry, in the, the top 14. That's pretty good. Yeah, can throw an offload. I think he had 15 for the season or something like that, which is pretty good for, for a man in his position, really. Yeah, we're exactly. Trying work out, we're trying to work out <clears throat> why he's the captain as, you know, in a young side. And it's just going to be... Him, the arrogance thrown off loads, getting hands through contact, surely. Mate, he's a flanker. You just, they're, they're the leaders you, you need. All right, man. Kagi, do you want to take us through uh, number eight? Uh, I, was, I thought you were going to throw me out to the backs there. I was going to say, mate, we can't skip number eight, old Seku Makalu. Um, mate, Makalau? Makalu, I believe. Uh, okay. So nice. When in doubt and pronouncing a French name, Makalu, you just, uh, just let's get the accent on. Um, no, extremely excited about him as well. Um, he's just an absolutely powerful and dynamic flank, uh, back rower. So he can play six, seven, and eight. He can get in there and jackal. He can make some big carries. He can offload, uh, make some big hits. Very powerful. But at the same time, he's such a dynamic player that uh, in the French top 14, he's uh, he's also found himself playing on the wing a few times. He's Jersey, and he has lightning pace. So he has scored a few tries, in, whether it's in the 11 or any of the back row uh, numbered jerseys, uh, burning people out, out on the outside. And I expect that um, similarly to how if you the All Blacks last weekend, you saw the back rowers out <coughs> on the fringes, I'd expect to see him out on the on the, on the the fringes quite a lot. And, um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be one you've got to catch quickly before he gets I think, I think he's shaping up as, you know, a really good matchup for, for Harry Wilson. They're both quite dynamic number eights. They're, you know, like for like in size, 195 centimetres, 108 kilograms. He's got a few more years' experience on him. I think he's 26 compared to Wilson's 21, but he's also an exciting player to watch. It, it looks like they've just got a massive pack, right? And, and <clears> six, seven, eight can all play multiple positions in that back row. Jalanch is, uh, I think he played at six in one of the, the final Six Nations game, maybe against the Scots. So he can play across different positions in the back row. He's still 1 metre 95 and 105 kilos. So they're going to bring some real size between them and the second row, Bumba in the, the front row. It's going to be a very, very physical pack. And I, I'm expecting them to try and go through the Wallabies who I, I think historically have probably lacked a little bit of physicality in the time. Yep. Hmm. Right. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump the curb, but they they put a big back row together just to try and handle the uh, the big Wallabies back rowers. But I'll I'll save that till we discuss the Wallabies team. Sounds good, mate. Good, nice little teaser for that. Um, do we want to jump across into the back? So Baptiste Couliard, uh, Couliard, he's uh, basically been the the second choice backup. Um, for Dupont, who has not come over after playing that grand final in France. They have a lot of depth at nine, but that's the that's what they've been saying. He's their second choice, their second best, and it's quite an exciting uh, nine coming through. And then a, a name that if you've paid any attention to the under-20s and, you know, hype train over in France, you've got Louis, uh, Louis Carbonel. Uh, he played the under-20s a few years ago, and he's just lit up the top 14 you know, for, for a few seasons now, hasn't reached those heights. I think he's about their third choice as, as their fly half, but in a very, very exciting player with a huge future in front of him. So he's going to see this as his chance to really lock himself into that position. Well, I think there's a thing. He's still so young. I think he's, yeah. just, he's just turned 22 recently. Um, <clears throat> and he's only been playing top-level footy for, you know, three years. 
Uh, and it's not, you know, he, he's not, might not be first choice, not by any means because uh, of his skill level, just France happens to have three really good fly halves at the moment. So um, Their depth is outstanding at the moment. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's all class. Uh, he can really do it all and a fantastic kicker as well. Yeah, Carbonell, one, one to watch for sure. If we go into these centres, they've got Jonathan Dante, uh, he's been in that squad for, for quite a few years, so I think he's picked there as you know a, a bigger body in that 12 jersey, which is not normally what you expect from France, but to add some experience with some of those bigger names missing. He's a big unit. He's 181 uh, centimetres tall and 110 kilograms, so a big boy. I was just going to go back, sorry, to, uh, to your fly half, Louis, Louis Cabernet. Cabernet. He's, he plays for Toulon, and they've been starting him ahead of Udapieta, the Argentinian <coughs> fly half, who we know is getting some Argentinian test caps uh, the last few years as well. So if you need a, a vote of confidence of what he can do, the fact that he's starting above that bloke's a, a, a pretty big sign that he's got real talent. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's just yet to show it on that international stage, but, I mean, he'll see this as his chance to do that for sure. Yeah. If we go across to that outside centre, we've got Arthur Vincent. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I know it's not Vincent, but, uh, yeah, Arthur Vincent, I'm going to go with that, is another sort of, I think, a, a relatively bigger body in that outside centre jersey, something that they don't have, maybe not as big as Dante. And then in their back three, this is an exciting attacking back three. They've got Gabin Villieri, uh, who... He got his chance last year. I think it was in the Ordinations Cup when they had to make a few changes. And he also played in the Sevens Olympic qualifier. Uh, I think it was against Ireland that they lost. So if they actually won that, he, there's a good chance he was not going to make this tour. So I think he butchered that Sevens tournament because he wanted to come play the Wallabies, not go to Japan for the Olympics. What do you guys think? Yeah, just wanted to come to Australia, get some, get some sun. Yeah, except they've been locked up and only seeing the outside of a bus window. Yeah, that's right. I, I look, he's another fleet-footed fast back. And just to, just to um, jump in as well, Vincent, who I think you nailed his name for the record, he, he's not that big. He's only 88 kilo. He's, um, okay. he's, he's another little uh, live wire. I think Dunty is really the only... Yeah, he's the bigger body. The, the, he's, yep. he's the real big unit. The guy they're missing is Vakatawa. Uh, uh, mm. Tower, he's, he's their yeah. absolute weapon. He, I think he normally plays 13 as well. Um, he's, he's an exciting player. Yeah, he's, so I think Dante is in a similar vein to him, but um, definitely more. Yep. yep. Um, then we jump across to the other wing. You've got Damien Penord on the wing. He's – Kagi, mate, you're, you're drawing comparisons that none of us can see. Who do you reckon oh, he's I, like? I, yeah, I can't you know read I, this either. You know I love a hype train. And, yeah, uh, and it's bad. It's bad. You know – Mate, the French Ben Smith. Um, no, nah, not at all. Skills for days. He's played 13 fullback. I think he's probably more of a fullback than a winger. Um, same as Ben Smith. Found himself playing on the, the wing a lot. But um, just pops up everywhere and just has this insane skill set. Uh, a hell of a finisher. But the only caveat that the boys are very quick to remind me of, which means you probably shouldn't be drawing any comparisons, Um <laughs> His 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 defense uh, could be left a little bit lacking. Um, I mean, who really cares about defense? All we care about, all we remember, are the players who score all the tries. Um, Man, this, so. you, you're right on that. Like this, this is 
definitely an attacking back three. That's completely what they've gone. Instead of selecting who they've got on the bench for 15, Anthony Boutier, he is um, has a massive boot, really exciting guy that will come off the bench for that 15 jersey. But they've handed Melvin Jaminet the starting jersey at 15. He hasn't even played a match of top 14, you know, the top flight footy in France. He's been playing Pro D. Um, Pro D2. Yeah, Pro D2. He, he played a massive role apparently for them in Perpignan and their promotion to the top 14. He was the top try scorer in, in Pro D2 and he's supposed to be quite an exciting player. But, you know, by all reports, he's the attacking player, not the kicker. So it really shows the intent of this French side for me. Yeah, and I think you'll find Penno and, and Jaminet just like roaming everywhere. They'll be interchangeable in their roles uh, out the back there. But yeah, can, can counterattack. Can be very exciting. Worth saying, well, there's, there's a couple of players there that played some time in the Six Nations this year. Penar's another one who was, uh, I think he actually scored one of the like game-breaking tries against, I want to say Wales, where he put the chip and chase mm-hmm. through and scored himself as well. So I think it was. There are a few players here that, that have been starting through the Six Nations, albeit not too many of them. Yeah, for me, Pano, I think, is the player I'm most excited about for the whole of French rugby. I know DuPont is unbelievable as well, but uh, Pano for mine is just amazing. And I've, I've seen some chat around he, he does have maybe some attitude issues and that's kind of held him back from being selected. He's French, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure, let's, let's not issue. get into stereotypes <clears throat> on this podcast, boys. Are you yeah. sure that he's not more like the French Mark Nwangani Tawasi? <laughs> you know, can't defend and has attitude. You're, you're drawing the defence comparisons. No, no, look, he, uh, look he, he, he will definitely excite us on the weekend. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I don't, I'm, again, I'm jumping ahead here, but... One of the matchups of the game for mine is going to be him going up against our very own Marika Koryobete. Yeah, Koryobete, exciting, but I'm going to back Koryobete every day. So, mate, uh, look, one <laughs> other one I had there was the bench. Baptista Presenti is the uh, reserve kind of lockback row cover. I thought uh, I thought it was interesting. In the top 14, he was the second most carded player in the top 14. He had a couple of yellows and a red card. So I feel like he's probably the Aussie's version, the French version That's of uh, Lockie Swinton. So <laughs> well, I'm thinking he comes on late yellow card, late red card, and it's just the thing that sparks the Aussies. That's that's basically all, all the credit I'm going to give him. He's the the uh, the Thomas Lavanini of France. Uh, you know, he's high up in the percenti chances of getting a card this week. So should be good. Nice. Thank you. All right, <laughs> let's uh, let let's put on boys to the Wallaby side now. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Bring into screen for you. Let's go to the green card. We can see it there. Yeah. Perfect. We've got the squad up. Got the team list up. <clears throat> um, well, look for this. I'll start off with Wallabies. Um, I mean, simple points. Rennie has, uh, David Rennie's come out and said selection is based on merit. Uh, he's just said, we've always selected a side based on earning the right to wear the jersey and his team is not. <laughs> so he, he's tried to cast away any aspersions of, um, you know, trying out different players uh, because... Combinations, it's, yeah. Because it's, a, you know, it's not <clears throat> a top-class French side or whatever. He's just said, look, based on all the, the select boys I selected, uh, how they performed in a training... Uh, this is the best team that we've got to put out. Um, and so that's exciting, but uh, also exciting. Four possible debutants this uh, this weekend, um, all off the bench. But um, well, I'll read them off and then you can tell me who you're most excited for, guys. So we've got Nos Lonigan 
I'm definitely most excited for old, old mate Nos, uh, Darcy Swain, Lenny Katow, and Andrew Kellaway. <coughs> Boys, can I go first? Yeah, can I go sure. first? I'm, I've never heard both of you wait. That's amazing. It's a, okay. I'm, I'm most excited about Darcy Swain <laughs> because clearly Dave Rennie, he's, he's a smart guy. He's obviously a much better coach and selector than I am. Clearly he's saying something that I'm not, so I can't wait to see what the Wallaby selectors are saying that I'm not. That's that's what I'm excited about. I think I think one thing on Swain is he's been asked to lift his intensity, and I, I think he has done that, and he's lifted his work rate this year. I don't think he is a top choice for locks in in the Wallabies currently. We've got Rodder coming back. He's he's in Australia currently. Didn't make the squad um, by all reports. Rennie doesn't like him as much as uh, previous coaches have. By one um, report. Let's not say by all reports. Yeah. I mean, he's not in this Wallaby squad, is he? And we're, they've got Darcy Swain on the bench. So um, that, that says a lot to me. Look, I won't go into it because you guys know how I feel, which is that I don't like Darcy Swain and I would have picked Trevor Hosea very simply. Yeah. Look, I, I like Swain. I, I think he's got a future ahead of him. I just don't think he's there yet. Well, I feel like we've already spent too much time talking about him. But uh, Len Iketau, also very excited for Len. I think that's going to be really cool. He's he's definitely someone we're all we all think has a big future. Yeah, look, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few tests. Uh, I think he's going to build into that potential thirteen role. He's obvious. His competition's Parisi, who's injured at the moment as well. Um, but he's an exciting young um, centre coming through. I think he had a very good Super Rugby AU, maybe a little bit quieter at times in Super Rugby Aotearoa, but I'm excited to see him get more of a chance. Yeah, I'll never forget last year when he was in the wider, I don't know if he was in the wider Wallabies squad or the Wallabies B team or whatever that played uh, the Pumas, um, and he scored something like three tries, just shrugging people off uh, and leaving them for dead, left, right and centre. Um was awesome. I think that's where, uh, apart from his good year, this his good season this year, that's where Dave Rennie um, probably saw a lot of him. So I think the big uh, question for him is now adjusting to the fact that he's doing <coughs> physical professional rugby week in, week out. You know, I thought he was exceptional early in the AU season. And as the year's gone on, he's kind of petered out as he's struggled to back up week to week to week. So he's definitely a prospect, no doubt about that. He's a smart footballer and he's got some some real, uh, I guess, physical attributes that you want in, in, in a good outside centre. But at the same time, he's a young man and uh, it'll be good for him to make a debut this week. Yep. Excellent. And lastly, Andrew Kellaway. Uh, I know, look, you guys probably more excited than I am about Kellaway. Uh, <coughs> he's got a lot of potential. Um I feel like probably I just haven't seen enough of it in recent years. I know he has been playing very well when he's been over there in Northampton. Um, Australia's Ben Smith, I think. I'm prepared to say that. Um, Wasn't it but, yeah, This is also jumping the gun a bit, but for mine, I just find it really hard. If, if Reese Hodge is not injured, how is Reese Hodge not on the bench? Look, I think there is an answer there. I think they're trying to, you know, spread some of this experience out over the next few tests. Um, not pop, pack them all into this match, and then you know potentially have them missing for the for that you know second match here. So I think Andrew Kellaway is trying to fill a similar role of Hodge. He can cover outside centre, he can cover the wings, he can cover fullback. You know, at a stretch, you could probably throw him in at twelve. But I think the biggest thing for him is he never gives up in defence. He, he showed that in the back end of Super Rugby Aotearoa. I, I think he's got some real talent in attack as well, even though he hasn't 
shown it week in, week out at a super rugby level. I do think he's quite a talented attacking winger at, at times, but I think he's just a solid choice, very good at D, covers a lot of positions, and I think that's probably why we're seeing him get his chance. It's been a long time coming for him after having, you know, being touted as a very, very good player coming through Super Rugby and uh, Australia under-20 side as well. Is he still the leading try scorer in the under-20s World Cup? I think he, yeah, I think he is. I think he is. This is the other thing for mine is that um, his reports, uh, you know, of how well he played for Northampton, the problem I have with that is that um, he was playing in the back three with another one-cap wallaby. Uh, let's see if you guys can pick it. Probably someone who I, I was most... Nairavoro. Akele Nairavoro. Nairavoro. And, uh, mate, it's pretty easy to pick up a lot of tries and look good when you've got Nairavoro leading the, the competition in all attacking stats uh, over there in the UK. So... Um, you know, we'll we'll see. I guess we'll see. He has a chance to uh, to play for Australia. Boys, should we jump up into the actual starting side because we've got a lot on four of these bench guys. Mind you, we didn't do much about Nos Lonigan, who we're all very excited to see coming on as well. Right, well. We'll go through the positions. We'll get through to him. The front row, um, some seasoned campaigners to start for us: Slipper, Alan Alatoa, and BPA, the incumbent from last year. I think it's a rock solid front row. Um, absolute class there. Uh, it's, you know, obviously Taniela Tupo is one of a kind and we're all extremely excited about him, but it's it's really easy to over, to, to overlook or forget how just how good Alan Alatoa is. Uh, going yeah, to the last World Cup, you know, he had to be one of the top four props in the world for sure, probably top three props in the world. Um, and he, he still he's is. A, <laughs> he's, he's a very different player to Taniela Tupo, but... He is just an absolute stalwart of this Wallaby side. I I think he is a, a massive part of this side. He's a leader on the field, on and off the field. And and going forward, I mean, he is going to get lots of minutes, as is Tupo. Tupo is not just going to usurp him and get 80-minute games here because Alan Alatoa is a world-class tight head. And I, I think this is quite a strong scrummaging front row, and I think that's what we've gone for here, where we've gone, you know, dynas- dynamic um, front row off the bench. That's it. And, and part of the core leadership group are from these front rowers, Slipper, yep. Allen, Captain of the Brumbies and Cooper. You know, that's, and with, you know, Matty Tamara in the back. So that's kind of the core leadership group. So uh, yep. they're really valuable in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. In the, uh, uh, oh, sorry, Harry, here you go. Yeah, go on, <clears throat> I don't know. You, you want to talk about the bomb squad, don't you? Oh, just, yeah, mate. I was, thank you for not t- cutting, uh, cutting my grass here, mate. He just the did. Bombs, the bomb squad, mate. <laughs> Australia, we followed the Springboks. That bench back uh, front row, I mean, God, it just looks good, doesn't it? We've got Angus Bell, uh, when let's face Ooh. it, he is going to be in the 23, in the Wallaby 23, from now until his last day uh, when he retires as Wallaby's captain. <laughs> <laughs> I think like Jon Snow, his watch has begun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just... But you can almost just paste him on the team list. You know, I mean, if they put up a team list at Wallabies HQ, you can just leave Bell on there. You can just, you know, I don't know. He, but, uh, he is what we, you know, a little bit of what we were talking about, Tenny Tupo two years ago, just such a dynamic ball runner, such an exciting player coming through, a couple of years behind him, but he is exactly. generally a very exciting player. And look, and don't put your permanent marker away because then we've got Taniela Tupo. Uh, and... You know, there'll be a lot talked about whether um, he should be starting or off the bench. And you know how much I love Tupo, but 
there is no better impact player in the world yeah. than having Daniel Adubo come on <laughs> for the last 30 in all facets. Just, you know, like the, we saw the impact the bomb squad had uh, for the Springboks in that World Cup final. And just having Tupo come off the bench, ha- having Bell and Tupo come off the bench is going to be unbelievable. And I think Lockie Lonergan, whilst really young, is going to grow into, uh, I mean, he'll probably be a starting hooker pretty soon, but um, I'm super excited about this bench uh, front right. So, Yeah, and I, I think one thing to, to note on Tupo coming on is this French um, bench front row is a big step down from what their, their starting front row is supposed to be, especially when it comes to scrumming. So scrummaging. So I think Tupo is going to come on and has have a massive impact in the last 25 minutes of this match. Yep. Nels, why don't you take us through the locks in the back row, man? I've been doing uh, – I've been getting very excited doing a lot of talking, so. No problem, mate. We've got the return of Matt Phillip. So he, he proved that he's a world-class lock, I think, in the last few years. I'm very excited by him returning back to Australia. Very important for us in this type five um, so he's, he's an exciting player. Um, we also have Harry's just writing lots of different things here. Lucan Salakai Lotto, good lock. Wasn't sure if he was going to be a lock a few years ago, but has really evolved into a you know that starting five. We've got Robbie Valentini, who we've all been waiting for, you know, a dominant physical, hard-running number six in the Wallabies. They threw Swinton in for a chance last year. And Valentini adds, you know, that mongrel that Swinton had, but he doesn't get the cards and he's great with ball in hand as well. He's got to be the actual prince that was promised, right? You know what I mean? We've talked about Jordan Wallace for ages, but Valentini's the actual prince that was promised. Mate, he's he's the king. That's what he is. King that was promised. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Mikey Hooper returning from Japan. And look, there's been a lot of talk about him getting rushed back in and, and people not too happy about it. I, I, how can you not start this guy with over 100 caps in this pretty raw side for Australia? He's going to get 80 minutes here. And I mean, there's no player on the field other than maybe Corombetti who will give you 100% at every opportunity. Hey, there's no other player in world rugby that is as an 80-minute player as Michael Hooper. Uh, yeah. Just doesn't exist. We've also got the exciting Harry Wilson in the number eight jersey. We already touched on him. Big body, loves ball in hand, knows how to hit a line, physical in contact, been trying to really develop his footwork into that contact as well. But he still looks like he makes the choice to run into people rather than around people, which is exciting to see. It's and good it's balance that back row, isn't it? Like, realistically, you've got Hooper the Fetcher who can really focus on his defensive work rate, but if he is given a stiff, he has a good attacking game. Harry Wilson's got that X factor and ability to play a link player as well and make some line breaks. And then you've got Valatini, just big body hitting people, can get us over the ad line. There's a, there's a very nice balance to that back row that Australia struggled to get for a long time. It's what you'd expect to see in, I think, a, a Rennie side. You know, they, they like to kick return. They like to play open and play quite wide and, and also need those physical players. And I think this fits that that mould perfectly. And similar to the, the bomb squad theme, having Nazarani on the bench, um, you know, having Hooper, just that full 80-minute performance from him um, has afforded us, you know, we don't need another set, a backup seven on the bench, uh, I guess, in this game anyway. And so, you know, if the French have had enough of getting smashed by Valentini and Harry Wilson, well, it's not going to get any uh, any quieter for them with uh, Nazarani coming on with a real point to prove. This is Nazarani's first. Uh, he was not in the side last year, so first game back in for the Wallabies. Um, 
he really is going to be coming with a vengeance. So it's going to be exciting for, for that. In the back. Oh, you want to take us? Yeah. Jake Gordon and Noah Alessio at 9 and 10. Obviously, uh, Tate McDermott was expected to get a run with Nick White out injured. I think uh, when we get into the analysis of what to see from the teams, I think Jake uh, Jake Gordon's pass and kicking game is just that step above at the moment. So that's kind of got him the starting starting position despite coming back from injury. So I mean, all experience. Us fans, and and I, we think he's had a cracker season in what's been a pretty challenging team, to be honest. So yeah. I, I think Moreland deserves this spot. He, he really. He's definitely a halfback who can just like step up and take the game in his hands. You know what I mean? Just like yeah, read the room. But uh, I think we all believe he's probably twenty caps short of where he should be if they just flick Nick Phipps a few years earlier as well, right? I I agree. Look, he's he's that experienced player. I think to link up with. Uh, Lolisio as well. We've got Matt Tamua, also an experienced player around Lolisio, to ease him into international rugby. I think you don't want to have Tate McDermott, who's quite raw, and Noah as who's quite raw as well. So I think that's probably another reason Gordon's being picked. He's got a bit more experience, probably a little bit more level-headed, makes some smarter decisions um, at, at this sort of level. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, having Nick White, uh, the the halfback he plays with in in Super Rugby, would be fantastic, uh, and such a leader as well. But you you can't really have a, a better inside center inside you than having Matt Tamua, someone who plays ten and twelve and is <clears throat> such a cool head and season. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm a big fan of that position. I know he hasn't had the best year with the <clears throat> Rebels, but I think it's a different side, and he's so composed. And you know, we were talking about him as a potential captain last year. He's an excellent, excellent player. Yeah. He adds a lot of starch, you know, in, into that defensive line, as well as being that stable, controlled leader. I think he's going to step up when it comes to to kicking, as well as um, Jake Gordon, and take a bit of that pressure off Lolisio. But Tamua, you know, he can shoot out a line, put a very physical hit on, similar to his centre partner, Hunter Paisami. I was going to say, mate, talking starch, mate. Paisami, mate. What, did, what did we say? Vin, Vin, Vincent's uh, somewhere in the mid-80 kilos, mate. Uh, yeah. Packing down some meat pies now that he's landed in, uh, in Oz because Paisami uh, is going to be coming like a hunter killer. Mate, but uh, he's pretty much a similar side. Hunter Paisami is not a big boy either, but boy, oh, boy, is he physical. He hits like he's Naira Bora, mate. Uh, we've all observed it and, uh, and we love it. We all know that there's the the actual weight and then there's the playing weight. For instance, Trevor <laughs> yeah. Reese weighs 74 kilos, but his playing weight's 115. Correct. Like it's just, yeah, yeah. There's definitely that, that's, I think we've, we've got to kind of find these stats, make these stats, because that seems like a real thing. Yeah, we need to add that. Playing weight is a new stat. I love that. Yeah. 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 In our uh, back three, we've got the ever-present Marika Korombete, and I'm saying ever-present knowing he is leaving next season, but I just find, I think he's going to find his way back into Australia and into this Wallabies squad for the Olympics and for the Olympics for the Rugby World Cup. You don't think so? You don't think he's coming back? No, not at all, mate. The The way you talked in the last interview that, the, you know, they published an article on him, he was saying, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the eligibility rules. We know that now they'll pick two overseas players. He's just hoping they pick him regardless. Look, I, I don't think so. He, he's 28. Uh, I think he's taking his chance now to head offshore for a couple of years, sign his way back into Australia. He's going to want to put his, you know, put his name onto that page, pencil himself in, you know, before he leaves Australian shores so that people don't forget who he is. You put that positive juju out there, mate, but I think it might just be your hope. Well, I guess we'll see. 
Look, I guess it's, it's always hard to leave when you're on the top, isn't it? You know, like it's, we, we, we would find it amazing to believe that someone could supplant him for the 11 jersey by the next World Cup. But um, he's at the absolute peak of his powers and uh, that includes signing powers, uh, signing some contracts overseas. So he's, uh, I actually haven't looked at his contract details if it's, if it's out there, but uh, sure I don't think it's, I don't think it's long term. Two years. Yeah, so again, if that's two years, could sign into Australia. Look, let's not speculate too much. Let's not talk about him leaving. Let's talk about him this game. As I said, one of the most exciting matchups is going to be him and Damien Pinot. Um, Pinot. And we talked about his lack, uh, Pinot's lack of, uh, of, of defensive abilities. And, uh, well, Corin Betty only knows how to run at 110%. He doesn't have a lesser setting. The switch is broken. It's always just up the top. Um, so going to be very exciting. Yeah, definitely exciting matchup. I, I think we're going to see him roaming off Jake Gordon, off you know his inside shoulder, outside shoulder, you know, hovering around Noah Lolasio as well. So uh, he's going to inject himself into this game for sure. Um, Australia love to have those, you know, him mainly running off in those inside channels. So it's going to be exciting to see how he injects himself. I was going to say, he's only scored the one try this year, so he'll be pick and driving. Uh, he'll be in there on the sideline. <laughs> he'll be desperate to get some more. So, Mate, we, we know if they're, they're missing a forward in the, the front, in the back row, or even the front row, he'll put his hand up to, to get into that scrum as well. Right. Well, that kind of rounds out the, the teams, guys. So no, we, we haven't touched on Tom Wright, Tom Banks. Oh, sorry, I thought that you guys had just managed to speak so long about uh, Tommy's that we would cover all three players. Well, well let's go we... Tommy's really quickly. Uh, I'm excited about Tom Wright. I just think um, we haven't seen that much of him this year, but uh, I'm excited to see what he can do again. Um, he was at the peak of his powers last year, I think. Um, and yeah, he's just lightning quick. I think people have forgotten just how fast and dynamic he is. So he's he a very, very different style winger. Um, not just your, your class finisher. He's got a, a more rounded game, I think, for for a wing. And I mean, he's someone that we may see evolve into, you know, a centre or another position. He's played a lot of centre. He's played, you know, other positions as well. He's got a great pass on him. Looks for people around him. Whereas Corbidi just tries to carry the entire team every time he runs the ball. Yep. And Tommy Banks. Uh, what do you guys think of Tom Banks? For, for mine, look. Yes, he's had a great year. Uh, he's definitely can run, cut up, cut up some teams, running some attacking lines. But I don't know. Like personally, I would probably pick Reese Hodge in at fullback if he was starting and available. I kind of feel like he's just the best that we have available to us. How do you guys feel about Banks? Uh, mate, there's no one else. There's literally no one else. Yeah, uh, we, have, we have zero other fullbacks right now. That's that's the truth. The the scary truth is we talk about, and there's been lots of people going. Let's put Tom right there. Let's put Vunavalu or Pattaya or put someone else into that fullback. But look, I, I think if Tom Banks is ever going to make it, this is his chance. He's coming off the, the back of a very good Super Rugby season. He hasn't done it at an international level. I'm a little bit nervous about his suspect defence, but he has a whopping kick on him. I, I think he is an exciting player. And this is probably a series where, you know, it suits him. He, he loves to to kick return. He loves to get involved into to a rugby match that's open. I think this is going to be an open match. I think this is going to be an open series. So if he can't do it here, he's not going to do it. Definitely need to put some money in the banks. Um, 
Excellent. All right, well, that's the Wallabies team. How about we move on to the main course? The game this week is going to be, of course, in Brisbane, moved up from Sydney due to COVID, which we've already touched on. Uh, there's been some COVID-affected prep for France. They, they've been locked in their hotel in Sydney, bussing to and from the field at North Sydney so they can train together. But I guess it's not quite been the tour that they were hoping for. Um, and I, I think that reason alone has probably put off a fair few of the senior French players from coming down here. I know that they're, you know, today being Tuesday, the time of recording, they're flying up to Brisbane today. They get a single training session before playing tomorrow night. So it's a pretty challenging setup for them. How do you guys see this moving forward? What's been happening in the past? Let's, uh, let's get stuck into how we see this game playing out. Well, yeah, I think just before Nels jumps into a bit of the history, uh, you know, it's it is really interesting these three games that are really close together. Uh, you know, what's it's four days to the next test, and was it four again to the last one? Six and four. Yeah. Six and four. Yeah. Six and four, yeah. Um, I mean, it just makes for a challenging tour, really. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I think we should just be happy that we could move the game to Brisbane and that it will go ahead. And I think it's going to go ahead with a full crowd, so um, that's exciting. But Nels, why don't you get into a bit of history, mate? Yeah, look, as we get into this history, it's, I think it's really interesting to note that, I mean, French don't normally tour well when these teams play each other. Generally, the home side, you know, has has a massive advantage. These two teams have played 47 times, so not a lot over a 100-year period. The Wallabies have won 27, France 18, and they've drawn two, so the Wallabies pipped them there. But they haven't played together since 2016. France haven't won in Australia since 1990, losing 11 times over that period. They haven't won in Brisbane since 1972. That's one win from six matches. So some good history. You know you don't win rugby on history. But the last time, you know, the the big thing I think going in the the favour of France is they've won the last two under-20s Rugby World Cups, which is why this group is touted as the French golden generation. You know, they're... A lot of these players are trickling into this um, this first side. We're going to see a lot of them for both teams, actually. Um, we've got, in the Australian side, we've got Angus Bell, Lockie Lonigan, Noss Lonigan, Harry Wilson, Noah Lolasio, all seeking redemption for Australia for their loss in 2019 in the grand final. For France, they've got Jean-Baptiste Gross, Kylian Garachi, Lou, uh, Louis Cabanel, and Arthur Vincent. So, a lot of these players have played each other and they want to have another crack at each other, which is exciting to see. That's a, that's a whole story into itself, isn't it? Noel Alessio and Louis Carbonell. Just, uh, yeah. That's certainly a battle to, to watch. It'd be great. If only Alessio was at 10 in that in that matchup, that would have been extra special. Was it? He was playing 12, bring, was he? He played 12. Yeah. Will Harrison was playing 10, who, who should have been in the Wallaby squad. But <clears> let's, um, let's not hang <laughs> up on that. Uh, look, uh, one of the things I, I went back and uh, I've just been trying to get into the mind of Squidge, who does his analysis of so many of the Test Rugby games. And I figure if I can get 10% of his knowledge, then uh, then that's a win for me. Um, he, he did pick apart the vast majority of the Six Nation games this year. And that means that we got to see how a lot of different teams played the French. Um, and the big takeaway for me was how teams approached the game against France with their kicking game. So first of all, that the French don't really kick much themselves for a, in an attacking position. There's not a lot of short kicks. They don't kick for uh, like an, an up and under to contest. Most of the time they're just kicking long to relieve their own pressure. They're not a team that 
60 metres out, you know, 40 metres from their own line, they're going to put the ball in behind you and make your turn and try and pin the corners. They're going to try and run the ball. And if they get into pressure, they're just going to belt it long. The teams that have been successful against uh, the the French in this series played very, very differently to that. So I, I thought really interestingly, first of all, Wales decided that they were going to kick down the middle of the park. The back three from France, although, you know, there's there's two of the men that are that are different in this side and, and actually less experienced in, in this side, they really didn't cover the field very well. And when Wales started to kick, kick down the field, they found grass a lot and they started to cause a lot of drop balls, a lot of turnovers. So <laughs> I think that straight away there's a lesson there that despite the fact that it's a team with some really solid counter-attack, if you can set a really good defensive line and move these back three around, there's some real opportunity there to try and catch them out of position. Uh, on They're going to need a lot from Tom Banks. And Tom Banks is, uh, I mean, he's really carrying all the kicking for our back three. And, and Jake Gordon and Noah Lalesio. I think that's the thing, right? Like if Noah Lalesio can come to the line and put the little short kick in, or, yeah. or Jake Gordon could put a really good competitive up and under. I don't think that they're quite as experienced. Or one of their weaknesses is probably how they deal with those kind of contests for the up and under as well. I think Lollisier is quite a, a smart kicker into you know kicking into the corner as well. We saw with the you know Super Rugby AU with our 50-22, things like that. I think that's going to be quite important with France's inability or, or their question marks over their ability to, to exit. So You'll also see, you know, Matt Tamua doing little chip kicks, things like that at the line in terms of attacking situations. Mm. And Hunter Paisami, you know, we we have a lot of people that can actually kick, not all kick for distance, but kick different types of of footy. And and it's really going to ask a lot of questions of this back three for France. That's true. And you've just reminded me, actually, Tom Banks better be taking the the penalty kicks for the line. (laughs) Those those straight line kicks he has for the territory, the line. 100% 100% he will be. And look, the other thing was Scotland, who upset France in the final game of the Six Nations to, to ruin their chance of winning the title. Uh, I, I thought the really interesting thing with that one was Finn Russell just constantly put in short little kicks, so many little grubbers, so many little chips over the top, just to turn the French defence around because they do play with such a high line speed. With that, there's opportunities in behind. And again, it, it's just an opportunity that I think we're going to have to take if we're going to try and put a stop to, to how they defend. Because yeah. I, I'm not sure that we're going to go through them a long way if they can spread their forwards across the line with our big guys. <coughs> so I, I think there's definitely lessons there. And I, I thought uh, the last thing was, you know, Squidge goes on about the fact that once they start testing Dulin, the, uh, the fullback that was playing at the time, they actually started pushing the fly half into Mac back to cover as an extra man for the up and unders because they just dealt with it so poorly. And it means that there's less men in the defensive line and it changes the game for Australians to try and actually start to throw the ball wide. So the lesson has to be that we've got to play a smart kicking game against them. The French are going to come up hard. It's a good way to turn them around and that maybe there's a bit of a weakness with how they deal with the up and under and how they defend the, the back area, particularly 50, 60 metres out from their own line. You know, there's really good opportunity there for us. Yeah, I think there's a, I mean, their, their back three is quite inexperienced. I also think something that the Wallabies are going to really try to do here is play a very high intensity early on in this game. Ask a lot of questions of, of this defensive line. As we said, with those kicks with their back three, hitting Corumbetti in the inside, using Pesami to really drill through that, you know, that, that 12 13 channel as well. I think they're going to be playing a very, very fast game and trying to create these gaps in this doubt in this French side. And I, I think kicking is definitely going to go a long way to, to creating those opportunities. 
Yep, agreed. Um, set pace. I'll always bring it back to set pace. Uh, they love some fret, some set pace up in the northern <clears throat> hemisphere, uh, and as I've talked about before, they love the scrums um, in France. So won't won't go on very long about it. But yeah, they've got a really big pack. Um, Den- Demba Bamba, very excited about him. Uh, but I think you know they'll they'll really need to you know perform in their set piece early uh, because uh, I think we can all say we're expecting in the second half with that. Bomb squad Wallabies, uh, you know, forwards coming on. I think that we'll be taking them to school in the in the, the second half of the uh, of the game. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they front up in the first half. I don't I don't think anyone knows who who's going to dominate the set piece. Uh, but yeah, it'll. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure about the lineouts either. I don't know how well. Uh, hopefully, BPA is throwing well. Uh, I mean, with Matt Phillip back, that should be good. But. At least there's some continuity there from what they did last year with BPA, Phillip, and LSL. They, they've played a little bit more together now, and Harry Wilson for that matter as well. So I think it does help that they have a little bit of, of a relationship now now where they've actually thrown to each other for a little while. Yeah, and uh, and Nelson talking about high intensity, I think apart from that as well, what I'm looking forward to is with our big back rowers, our big ball runners, um, just having some go-forward ball. Australia plays 10 times better when we're getting quick ball and on the front foot. The difference that it makes is unbelievable, and Jake Gordon uh, will be absolutely screaming at his his forward pack, and he he picks it up and gets moving. Uh, you know, he's one of the probably one of the quickest halfbacks in terms of just g- getting the ball out from the uh, out from the ruck and and moving. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very exciting on that front. Yeah. Um, any any other particular matchups or anything for you guys? Uh, no, I've called mine out. My my match my matchups um, matchups to watch are uh, Denba Bamba and Tupo, uh, Damien Pano and uh, Penaud, sorry, and um, Corin Bette. Uh, and yeah, I guess even though they didn't front up against each other, <coughs> going to be about the young guns uh, steering the ships: Louis Carbonell and Noah Lalesia, really. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think just generally, I think it's something that's going to be an important thing for the the Wallabies is, and it, it's right for the team one to fifteen. Our, our defence has been an issue, I think, through the last last few years. We we have the ability to score points, but we never seem to be able to stop the other team's ability to score points as well. And I think that's how we end up losing most of our games. So it's been a very big focus for the Wallabies coming into this series. This is a French team full of flair. You know, lethal outside backs, choosing those lethal outside backs rather than kickers and other style players. So I think it's going to be very important for some starch and a really solid defensive um, matchup for for the Wallabies here. Yeah, look, I I completely agree. And I I think what we can take away from the Darwin cohesion stat is that defence is a massive reflection of that. And with these two sides trying to get to know each other, and with so much attacking flair on both sides, I'm actually expecting a really high-scoring game. So, for me, I think I'm I'm looking for you know a win for the Wallabies, obviously, but I, I'm expecting a lot of points on the board and a really exciting game to watch. I think, uh, last thing I was going to say, actually, Harry, I love that the Darwin um, start. You should call it like the the DC DCI or something. The Darwin Cohesion Index. You know what I mean? Just get that. What about the Darwin <laughs> Theory? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, touching it on again, yeah, defence and um, intensity, physicality. For mine last year, with the Wallabies' first test match of the year uh, against the All Blacks, what I loved to see was the forwards f- uh, sprinting up out of the line. That line speed, Harry Wilson, Tanya Tupo, and just absolutely putting someone on their ass. 
How good? Yes, yes, we're not playing the All Blacks, but it's the first of a three match series. You've got to come out absolutely firing like that. So that's what I'm saying. Let's be honest. You're going to expect Valentini, Wilson. Um, Tamua Paisami, all these people who come out of this line, Hooper, come out of this line trying to absolutely physically rattle this big side early on in this match, and it's going to be exciting. I think there's going to be a very exciting opening 20 minutes in this match. It really should be a competition. Who can put the biggest hit on? You know what I mean? Who gets bragging rights at the end of this one? Who who knocks the most teeth out? That should be the, uh, you know. Biggest hit wins some money. Yeah. All right, boys, tips on this one. Uh, I'll go first since you've uh, nominated me to go first. Uh, the Wallabies are going to win this one. They're going to take it home comfortably in the uh, – well, lost for words here, but the um, the safe haven that is Suncorp. Um, fortress? Is that the word? Fortress, yeah. I was really sorry. I just couldn't, couldn't think of the word fortress. The safe haven. I don't know. Um, all right. Wallabies are going to win this game. Uh, and I think there's, there's going to be a lot of points. I think we all talked about this. It's going to be pretty free-flowing. A uh, bit more defence optional, but two very attacking sides. Uh, I think the Wallabies will win this one, let's say, 35 to 21. Okay. 14 points. 14 points, yeah. I like it. I, I don't know if we're... Are we, are we, I don't know if we're doing scores. That's... Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> no, just, that's, that. no scores, <clears throat> scores and margins, I like it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, the Wallabies are going to win by 10 for me. I, I think that's on the lower end of the scale, but I just don't have faith that the Wallabies can put people to bed at the moment. So I think the Wallabies are going to win this one. It's going to be pretty similar. I'll say... Uh, 20, 23 to 33, obviously, then. Oh, wow. It's almost exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say eight points. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. Everyone seems to be right in the French <clears throat> I think we are a team with a lot of work on, and particularly with a new nine and ten there, it's not exactly a, a really steady spine of our team. So uh, I'll tip the Wallabies because I'm wearing a Wallabies jersey, of course. But uh, I was going to say 30, <clears throat> 24, just narrow the margins. I like the total score. Wow. Thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I don't know. That's why we never do that. Don't know why that's why I came up with it. But yeah, for my Matt, it's just, it's the, I, maybe I'm worried that there's so many points going to be scored in. This is Test Rugby we are talking about. I might have been a little bit too uh, encouraged by the Kiwis defeating Tonga 102 0 last week. It's not really going to be a game like that. Uh, these are all international Test players. It's going to be tries, though. You know, this this is going to be an open game, teams feeling each other out, some poor defence. I, I, I think this is going to be an exciting match. I, I'm, I'm just buoyed on by, and I'm going to go on about it again, the bomb squad, mate. Those, that front row and Nazarani coming on, those last 20 I, to 25 minutes, they're going to give it to them. One thing that I'm, I'm quite nervous about is, I love that there's some positivity in Rugby Australia, but if this was the top French side coming out, we would be horrified if people were saying we're going to win by this much. I, I know they're a weak inside, but they, yeah, but they have some serious depth. Mm. We don't have our full strength side, and we have a, a you know four debutants. There's so much here that I think we're just banking on to happen. That you know hasn't happened for years. So I, I hope we're right, but I mean I don't know the last time this has happened. We wouldn't be Australian if we didn't. But every time there's a few weeks off. <laughs> yeah. about all the results of the last two decades and we're <laughs> yeah, right. back to where potentially the best team in the world just ask Rob Bellatini 
just after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, we yeah. shouldn't go into it again, but I think everyone always forgets just how good we are or how close we've been. I mean, we get all the teams at their height, peak of their powers. When Ireland came across, you know, and they were the best team in the world, arguably, at that point, you know, we lost in a very close three-match series. Um, it was a three-match series in Australia, mate. You can't say how good we are if we keep losing every series. It's not how yeah, it But works. if we keep getting the absolute best team in the world, last year we beat New Zealand once. How many other teams beat New Zealand True, last year? Once. How many other How many other teams beat New Zealand at all? Argentina. Every team that played New Zealand last year won. Yeah. Yeah. Argentina, Australia. Argentina got the first Probably. ever win. <laughs> You, you might have debunked my theory guys. there. But, I mean, okay, how many Northern <laughs> Hemisphere teams beat uh, New Zealand last year? Yeah, none, okay? None got an opportunity. Good, okay. Exactly. With that, guys, let's push on to dessert. What's your God do with that? Desserto. Do what, do what, do that. Sponsored, of course, by Pilk. I'm going to have to put it in front of my head because... Uh, it's good. Can you keep it there? You, yeah, I was going to say, actually, you just leave that there. That'd be great. Um, it's empty. Harry, Harry what's Pill? Can you tell me what Pill is? I've, I've smashed it, guys. Sorry, you didn't come yeah. over. COVID, so it's all mine. I heard that the French the French team actually had Pill delivered to them in um, quarantine <laughs> and they've just been living off that. So uh, we it's hopefully not, not. It's not healthy, so I, have they ha- I hope they have been. It's delicious. They'll enjoy their stay. And if they're vegan, they'll be very happy as well. But it's definitely not healthy. So please. Is it not? I thought it was meant to be healthy. No, yeah, no, it was meant to be healthy. Are we meant to be endorsing this or are you meant to be trashing this, Harry? Do you know how this works? It's made, it's it's delicious. High protein. It's vegan and it's delicious. Vegan? It's not the protein ice cream, mate. I'm so glad you know what you're talking about. It's delicious. High taste. Unhealthy vegan ice cream. Anyway. That's if you want those type of endorsements, I, get after I us. We can provide the top-notch uh, creme. I don't think that's what they're, they're going for. Go do yeah. some research. Look, what I want to get on to for this, <clears throat> we won't spend too long, but um, I want to go... Uh, famous last words. The Wallabies squad <laughs> played in this first team, and I've got a very high-def graphic here to show that's you... amazing. Is that, is that straight out of Rugby Australia itself? or? Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is how Rugby Australia do it too. So this is the entire Rugby squad. And, look, if you really try and pick it, I don't think you'll be able to tell the names that have been added late. <clears throat> announcement where the players that were added to the squad late didn't even get read out they just put their name on the screen you just have a blur and Harry on my graphic here but what you should be able to see is that we've crossed out with the yellow all the teams that have played starting in this game the reason being that we've got two more tests to go and I think there's going to have to be some rotation so we're just going to try and name our game two lineup as we said before there's six days until the next test but then only four to the third test so we're going to assume off our tip that the Wallabies win. How do they experiment with a side next week but still be able to back up with a competitive side if needed for round three? So this is what we've gone through, guys. I've crossed out the <laughs> red but injured players that are no longer with us and uh, and under <laughs> the bench players as well. Can, can we clarify? They're not dead. As Harry said, they're no longer with us. They're no yeah, longer dude, with the squad. It's a little severe. <laughs> yeah. They're dead to me. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> well, okay, so um, guys, you, you can tell me. I'll tell you what we got here, and you guys can tell me if there's anyone that you think is is more likely to come through. I, oh, we've got Angus 
Lockie Lonigan and Tongan Thor. Love it. Bench for game two. I think the props are a no-brainer. Uh, originally, I was thinking Filetti Katu'u would get a chance, but he's obviously injured as well now. So Lockie Lonigan will get his starting debut next week. I just can't see them starting BPA all three games. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty much on point. You, you're going to use this um, younger prop pairing together. I think we're going to build them into the future. So this is something I expect to see more of moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Brendan Panga Mosa actually on the bench. I'm not sure we're going to bring Connell McInerney onto the, the bench. So you've got a guy in his starting debut after benching one week and another guy making his debut in, in that hooker jersey. So there's a good chance I still think we see Brendan Panga Mosa um, there's a chance we see Alan Ala Alatoa, but we'll probably see Cameron or coming into that loose head um, bench jersey. And maybe, maybe we see Ponet for Almasili as well. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I think James Slipper's probably not going to back up uh, for this second. The old dogs. Yeah, he'll get his rest. And then uh, Scotty Seo being injured does really create an opportunity on that loose head side. Yep. No, I agree. Sorry. You've, looked, you've paused for me to talk about props. Agree. Uh, I think we will rotate them around. I think you're right. I think BPA is going to play, take part in all three games, whether it's starting or um, off the bench. But, uh, yeah, I'd also be very excited to see Ponair get some uh, some game time off the bench. Um, that would be really exciting. Yeah. You've got uh, Sita Tamani, or I've got Sita Tamani and Darcy Swain starting in the locks. Swain obviously will have played that game uh, this, this tomorrow night. And Sita Tamani is the experienced enforcer who I think will be getting some game time. And then I've put Lukan Salakaya Loto on the bench as well. I think he's probably just got a little bit more match fitness than Matt Phillip, who's just come back from overseas as well. Can I um, hijack this point by saying something I didn't get to in our uh, entree was just about... Darcy's just shitting more on Darcy Swain. Of uh, Look, I think it's extremely important to win this first Wallabies test. And for mine, how is Sidalecki Tamani not on the bench in this first game? Um, he's, I, he's old and he's big and right. he's probably not meeting the fitness levels that they're needing because they want to play a high-intensity game. Mate, what do you mean not meeting the fitness level? He's just been playing super rugby. He's a seasoned veteran. He can absolutely throw it down in the scrums. I think on one of the other pods on... Uh, I think it was Pick and Drive where Ben Alexander just featured on there recently. Ben Alexander was just giving a shout out to Sitter saying that he's one of the, he, he was discussing how important Strategy. blocks are in pushing in the uh, in the engine room. And Sitter <clears throat> has was one of the, probably the, the locks that gave him the most power um, from behind. Oh, yeah. So uh, you can't underrate that at all. Uh, but yeah, I think yeah. we'll definitely be seeing Sitter next week. I, I think you're right. I think Sidalecki Tamani's in there for a certain role. I, I don't think he he suits the style that I expect the Wallabies to be building and playing in the future, but he's a big, very physical, good scrummager. He came out, you know, earlier on in the week saying he's never had a preseason or a you know a training sort of period that's been as hard as this. Maybe we can read into that too far, or maybe it just means he's not up to scratch in that fitness level. He hasn't had a long period of time in Super Rugby AU. Yes, some of the other boys have said it, but he is a very large man who is a scrummager and physical in type. He's not the looser, open style of play that we normally see from Luke Ansarakai, Lotto, Philip, and what I think we want to see from the Wallabies moving forward under Dave Rennie. I agree. Look, I'll just say I think I would expect to see Sidalecki uh, starting next week, and I, but I'd be surprised if we see Darcy Swain starting next week as well. I mean, this is you've got to remember this is his debut this week. Uh, yeah. And whilst yes, we have just said perhaps Lockie Lonigan 
you know, I might see a starting game for him. You know, look, uh, I think he's an exceptional player. Uh, Darcy you, Swain, I'm not, I'm not sure we'll see him promoted to the starting side. Who do you start, Craigs? Uh, well, I, I agree with your analysis. I would start Luke Arnold Salakai Lotto again. And then uh, for, game, just, for game three, four days later? Uh, uh, Luke Lotto again. Mate, I'm not, I'm not as big into, yes, I know they are short turnarounds, but, mate, this is their job. They're professional athletes. They do this day in, day out. Uh, it's like Michael Hooper. We've, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun here talking about back rowers now, but <coughs> Hooper, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hooper doesn't play every minute of all three. Yeah. Um, He's definitely not going to. But, uh, look, I think you know, if, if we win the first two games, I'd be happy to bench Hooper. Um, but I think he'll play the large part, like the vast majority at least, of the first two test matches, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Right, okay. And uh, on the back row, we've got Lockie Swinton, Fraser McBride, Issy Nasarani with Lucan Zalakai Loto kind of covering a little bit and Rob Liotta as well. We just, uh, we're kind of tossing out between him and Michael Welzer, who's the more likely player. I think Liotta's probably the player with a bit more growth given his age and, uh, and how he's kind of started to come on this year. You, uh, you obviously disagree, Craigs. You think that uh, they're just going to keep starting them. And my only issue with that, to be honest, is that if we lose the second test and the third test becomes a decider and you've got some really tired bodies, it starts to become a bit of a problem. Um, so that, that's where my reservation is. But Nels, Nels, what do you think? Yeah, look, I think the gap between this second and third test is, is very, very short. I don't think they'll have an issue starting someone in this first test and this second test. But as you raised, Harry, I think it's coming into that third test. If we win this first match, we're going to see a very different round two matchup and lineup than if we lose this first test. But I don't think you're far off the pace here. I do think maybe we'll see a couple more names um, in the starting side that might end up starting all three. But, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a fresh-faced entire 15. Mm. But I, I don't think you're, you're far off. I've gone, uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I've gone Tate McDermott, James O'Connor at 9 and 10. I think they've got their Reds partnership. I think Tate will definitely get a start in one of these games. And then I've got Nick Wright, <coughs> Matt Tamour on the bench. Matt Tamour because he covers a few positions and he's got that experience. And I think playing those minutes I don't think is quite as bad for his, his body when he's uh, in a position that's maybe a little less physical than the front row like slips. And also I think Nick White coming back from injury, I think he's uh, he's been gone for a little bit longer than James O'Connor. So it kind of allows him to ease him in. So then they could obviously start him in that third test four days later if needed. Guys, what do you think? Yeah, look, I think uh, when James O'Connor is available, he will slot straight back in. Uh, absolutely. And I agree. It would make sense to the, the best opportunity to give Tate a starting uh, debut would be in, you know, in Liu with um, James O'Connor. Uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if Jake, if, uh, if Nick White's, I don't know. If Nick White's back, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw him straight in. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't even see Tate McDermott on the bench in the second one, if we just see Nick White and Jake Gordon. Because I think there is a clear seniority, and it is Nick White, Jake Gordon, Tate McDermott. I think we're going to see Tate get his shot over this series. If not, he'll get it early on later on in this year. But I think it has to come with James O'Connor outside. And, and honestly, I'd prefer to see it with Harry Wilson at the number eight jersey, Hunter Paisami in the number 12 jersey, you know, actually have quite a few guys around him that he knows that he's comfortable and the guys that he's interacting with most of the time, um, you know, surrounding him. And, and we don't see that in this lineup. We see James O'Connor, which I think helps. 
Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be overly surprised if if you do see Nick White if he's fresh, ready to go in this one, and, and if we end up winning it, you see Tate with um, with O'Connor and, and the other names I listed in that round three. And unless we lose, you might say Nick White again. And then uh, and then in the centres, I, I think. For me, the main thing is that they've got to give Lenny Katow, Lenny Katow a, a run. So I've kind of shaped my team off the back of that. So Lenny, Lenny Katow, the only other centre that he's got that isn't playing is Lalakai Fakedi. I don't think they're going to put them together. Um, I know that Ray Simone has been brought in as injury cover as well. So for me, it makes a lot of sense that if you're going to give Ikatao that run, you give him a run with someone that he knows. So Ray Simone, Lenny Ikatao in the 12 and 13 jersey. You got Matt Tamar on the bench if you need someone to cover the centres as well. Um, and then that probably gives you the most options there. And and again, I just don't think you can start Matt Tamar three games in 11 days. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think Tamar can can do that. He, he is an older body. It'll be interesting to see this 12-13. I mean, it's going to show us that hierarchy. I think Lalakai Fokendi was actually in that side. He's been very, very good for the Waratahs, but I think that link with Parisi is is important. And I reckon if, if Parisi was fine, we were going to see these two link up in this match. For me, that's what I was speculating. But with Parisi not there... I mean, at a stretch, you could start for Ketty, but I like the idea of Simone and Nikodau together. Yeah, look, I, I think I'd be surprised to see. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to do about the concept of not starting Tamura in all three games, but again, I think I just different opinion. I'd be starting Tamura in all three games. It's essential. Um, is it, like the COVID workers, mate, is an essential worker. Uh, and, uh, I've got one other, one other name, boys. Uh, yeah, sorry. I know. Um, sorry, oh, Kagi, you can tell finish. Are you going to tell us? No, I was just going to say, mate, these international test matches, you're putting out your absolute best team every game. And, and look, in- injuries are going to happen as well. So you can't assume that, like, all the players are going to be fine throughout all three of these games. Um, Particularly if you try and start them all three games, some injuries will happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I just think it's too much. I think I, I don't think we're going to see Ari Simone play, play in the centres. I think he's in the squad, in the wider squad. As an absolute injury backup, uh, I am. Um, anyway. I, I I don't disagree with you, Craig. I, I think there's a chance as well. You know, maybe we see Reese Hodge fill this jersey in in game two, um, and Tom Banks gets his shot again. And then when we come into that third test, Reese Hodge can take that 15 jersey, and Banks can move to the bench. Uh, for me, that probably is the best option. You got Reese Hodge coming into that 12 jersey, but. I feel sorry for the bloke getting pushed around all the time, but he's just missed Mr. Fix-It at the moment. Yeah, if he's not at least on the bench next week, then I don't know what's going on. He will be. He will be for sure. Uh, I agree, Nels. That's a, that's a very good option. And, and on Hodge, I had him at 15 with Tom Wright again on the wing and Filippo Dungunu at 11. Uh, I just think Tom Wright, they'll, they'll just want to give him some more game time. Dungunu is going to get a run more than likely because we've got obviously got Mbepti leaving, so you need to give someone else a chance. And then I had yep. the head on the bench. Um I, honestly, I, I think it could, it could go anyway, but I just think that last spot is just going to go to an outside back that can fill the numbers, to be honest. Yeah, again, for mine, I know Coromet is leaving, but <laughs> I'm playing him 80 minutes, all three tests, no questions asked. Um, yeah, just get the most out of him because he's leaving, mate. It doesn't matter if he gets injured. <laughs> I'd like to see Hodge in the team starting somewhere next week, and then I'd like to see Dan Guno on the bench uh, to insert himself at the end of the game. But um, Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a good question though you know I don't know how you do handle it it is it's very unique it's tricky it's like a World Cup with such short turnarounds but I think game one and two six days 
you know, you could almost see the same team for those two tests and then just have to figure it out in the third. And, and oh, you're yeah. going to think it's planning to win test one and two. You're assuming Dougie. you're going to win test one and two and then we can try some new boys out in the third test. I think it is like a rugby world cup, but if you're one of the tier two or tier three nations, the minnow nations, mate, no, no tier one nations back up four days later. And no, that's Romania business. And particularly against another tier one nation three days <laughs> yeah. in a row. It just does not happen. No. Well, uh, and the only other thing I'm upset about is that you put Andy Moorhead in the 23 as well, but um, we'll, uh, we can just move on from that, I suppose. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, that that brings us to the end of the podcast tonight, guys. Uh, looking forward to the game. Do we hit the two-hour mark? Points. Sorry? Did we hit the two-hour mark or? Um, yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, very exciting. A Wednesday game. How, uh, how unusual, but who cares when it is? Any day of the week, we'll be tuning in and we'll be super excited. Can't wait. Oh, mate, we're, we're in lockdown. I'm excited for a Wednesday night game. Gets us through the week to some more international footy coming this weekend. Yeah, that's 100%. it. All right, guys, we'll see you, uh, see you probably before the second test. Hey, Roo.